It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 523 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I talked with Warwick Johnson Cadwell, one of the driving forces behind Falcon Spear, a new comic from Dark Horse. He works with Mike Mignola in what we call the Mignolaverse to follow up with the characters Professor Meinhardt, Mr. Knox, and Ms. Mary Van Sloan. We talk about how the book came to be, about the various characters, and what kind of surprises the book holds for us, especially those who are familiar with Mike Mignola's work in the past. I really enjoyed the book, and I heartily encourage you to get it, so be sure to listen to what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show! It's great to welcome to the podcast, Warwick Johnson Cadwell. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Warwick? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, good, thanks, good. I didn't get to tell anybody what you're, what you're up to these days. And that is a book called Falcon Spear, which is coming out from Dark Horse Books. And it's a really interesting book. Um, Warwick, why don't you tell people what the book's about? Uh, the, it's, um, the book is about, it's, well, it's vampire hunting, uh, uh, at the, at a particular group of vampire hunters. Um, uh, Mr. Higgins Comes Home was a book from 2017, I think. That's what introduced the first of the, the well, these two characters were in, uh, in that book. And then, uh, Our Encounters with Evil, a couple of years later, they returned with a series of short stories, but, and gained another, group member so there's the professor and his assistant mr knox and then second book mary van sloan joined in uh this third book um it sort of jumps a little back in time to when the three vampire hunters were were sort of in their formative years and at that stage there was a fourth member of their group sort of a fourth pillar of their of their strength which was a uh, james falcon spear who has since over the years disappeared and the book is uh, them trying to find out what it was that's happened to him. Yeah, okay. Well, this kind of, this book sort of explains that, I think. And I, I, I there's this wonderful quote that I, I have to tell people you've got in there. It says, this one is from my mom, who I think liked this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she was, well, we were, with that. I, I, my memory is, she she liked the Hammer horror films, and uh, and I loved, and uh, but it was always a bit that sort of uh, awkward timing whether I should be up late enough at night to be watching those sort of gory things or not. But, uh, See, this reminds me very much of my mom was a science fiction fan, and she watched it and read it and everything like that. And she said, finally one day she just she couldn't tell what was real, what was not. 
<laughs> so she kind of got out of it for a while and stuff like that. But she loved it when we watched Star Trek. If we watched all these other things, she was big, big, big into it. And I, it's funny because even years after she's gone, I'm still doing that. I'm really excited because there's new Star Trek coming out. And I, I have friends of mine that I talk with about all this stuff. And I'm surprised when things happen with her. So I imagine that's something the way that this is. Uh, well, it's funny. You, I mean, you mentioned because my mum was also a Star Trek fan. She wasn't. She read a lot, but she wasn't big science fiction. But uh, but movies like this, I do. I have a distinct. I mean, I, I'd forgotten until you mentioned it. But yes, she, she was a big fan of Mister Spock. Um, she was a big fan of the TV series. And um, and yeah, I, I remember you know watching a lot of these Hammers and this sort of thing. These sort of slightly gruesome movies. Yeah. It's funny how that works, and then when parents have influence, kind of because they introduce us to certain things. Yeah, and that was the thing. I, although I have to say, real quick story aside here, I when I was growing up, I watched this one episode of classic Star Trek where they all these people were turned into cubes, and one of them got crushed, and I couldn't sleep that night <laughs> as a result. And my mom said, "No more of that. I can't watch any more of that." But later on, I got back to it. But it was uh, that one there. I never forget. I couldn't. I could not sleep at all as a result of that show. So that was it. That's that's it. That's where that's where some of that stuff. You know, I, you know, I watch a million horror films and scary movies and slasher films, and after a certain age, but but there's so much sort of you know the imagination has been sort of uh, you know fired and and looking back at the things that. It sort of terrified you as, as a youngster. It's, 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 it's some of it's just some very simple stuff in some of those sort of, you know, in those films and those shows and things like that. So. I'll tell you one more quick story and then I'll get out of the, out of the past. Yeah. I was, my mom told me there was this one time where she was watching a movie and there was this person in the, like in the toilet or something. And they looked out the window and they saw a, a person looking in through the window and you know what to this day if i'm in a room and i and there's i look up and there's a window and the window's open i'm nervous <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know what she did to me but i all the whole rest of my life i've been watching the window <laughs> so it's funny about what we do to ourselves and stuff like that but anyway back to falcon spear here um where, where did the name falcon spear come from first of all <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. It's the easiest answer. It's the quickest answer. Um, when I'm working on ideas, whether I'm working on writing, whether I'm working, I often sort of sit and wonder, you know, where does it come from? I suppose it's like a conversation. You're kind of saying things, you know, you don't plan them in your head before you say them. And these things sort of just, just pop out. And, <laughs> and, and I think when you're sort of writing or making this stuff up particularly because with these um you know the writing is not necessarily the first thing but these characters and there's all these names that pop up and the million of them just all terrible or fall by the wayside but every now and then something sort of sort of sticks mm -hmm. and um and so that was that was it that was that was it um i had i'd drawn the character mm -hmm. way back um he was the first sketch of him was slightly different than the way he appears but that was while I was uh, had the first ever table at a convention with um, Mr. Higgins on the desk, and so there was no sign of him then, but I was drawing 
books, uh, drawing pictures when I was sell selling the books. And so the first sort of illustrated version of him was back then. So maybe at some stage that name floated up, but the two of them sort of came together. Is that a common name? Not seen it before mm -hmm. as a name of any sort. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I haven't seen it either. And so I was just going to, it has sort of a British um, kind of feel to it. Well, yeah, I think it's something, it, was, it was something quite grand. It's something quite adventurous as well. So these sort of things, um, sort of, yeah, sort of it came together. I think it was one of those ones where those sort of combinations of words sort of sort of worked. So there's a bit of, I suppose, there's a bit of Shakespeare, in, you know, in the thing. It, it just felt like it was quite a good. I think it was possibly also, I did maybe sometimes you think of these. As, uh, there's a lot of made-up names in in these books. Mm -hmm. um, and you do sort of have to double check that uh, they aren't actual people or they're not some part of some nefarious society that you don't want to associate with or or some <laughs> business that might get upset that, that, that using their name. So uh, there's a certain amount of snooping to see whether these things are something else. So I must have done that at some stage. Do you trademark these things or something? Uh, no, no. I mean, the, 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 I, uh, I'm never fully sure. Of, of sort of the copyright bits and pieces, but I mean mm -hmm. the book is the book is printed, and so um, so in that respect, I guess that that's uh, that's sort of uh, some security to some extent. But no, I don't think I've trademarked it. I probably ought to find out whether I should. <laughs> All right, now, now I got to ask a question because it, it says in the in the inside of the cover, it says based on characters created by well you and Mike Mignola. Yeah, and that's uh, what's what's his relationship to all this? I mean, is it? Uh, did you guys kind of like uh, create these people together? How did this happen? This happened. Uh, it, I mean, I've always been a, a big Mike Minola fan. You know, uh, he's a massive influence on the work I I do, and um, uh, we, you know, there's some shared interest. In, He's always drawn me sort of the spooky bits and pieces, but adventure comics as well, and and all those things, sort of all you know, are all things I like, and so it's very easy for me to become sort of a big fan of his work, and then his style, his artwork, and his writing and storytelling. So Ed, I'm a big fan, and we met at a comic show um, uh, in England, to, uh, Thought Bubble, in 2016. Um, I'm sure it was that, but. Um, and so yeah, and we we met. We were on a sketch panel, and um, and afterwards, um, I gave him some of my books, and he looked at the stuff and said, "We should we should work on something together." Which I just thought was was superb, and it, I didn't care if it never ever happened because you know <laughs> it wasn't going to feel any more exciting than that. But the book, <laughs> and that was Mister Higgins comes home, which uh, Mike wrote. He he sort of sent a story outline, then a story, and uh, as it's one of those things where every time it came along, he'd, come, he'd contact me and let me know a bit more of what was going on. And I just thought at every stage that that would be the last I'd hear of it, and that was fine by me. But it, it carried on. So <laughs> so Mr. Higgins was, was written, and I illustrated it, and, and that was put out by Dark Horse with a fantastic Mike Rinola cover with Dave Stewart art, which is just a great combination anyway. Mm. Um, and the two of the characters, not the main characters – um, but two of the characters in the book were the professor and Mr. Knox. And so 
after a time, I, I said to, to Dark Horse and to, to Mike, it, it, would anyone mind if I sort of took these guys out for an airing? You know, just took them out to, to uh, you know, find out a bit about them. Because mm-hmm. these were two quite classic sort of vampire hunting characters. And, uh, you know, we, we both say Mike and I had a shared interest in sort of hammer horror and universal monsters and all that sort of cinema and and those sorts of adventures. And so I thought, well, I could really do something with these guys. And so, so yes, yeah, so um, second and third book, this one as well, um, I've written myself and drawn. Um, so... But but the, you know the, the 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 world they're in. This is not part of the Midnoliverse. This is this is its own thing. But um, you know the the world, albeit fairly small, created in in Mister Higgins. It was kind of everything that I you know it needed, and the tone of the books, you know that element of humour and stuff like that. That's all directly from Mike and sort of I've just carried that sort of uh, torch through the next uh, of these couple of books Okay, so uh, I'm a little unclear as to how he's involved in the creation, was it just you guys in conversations came up with them, is that is that what happened? Oh I see um, no no no, this was um, we talked a bit about, I can't remember that quite, we were having conversations just online with, uh, we talked about sort of this sad werewolf character there's um mm. There's in Universal of the Wolfman, mm-hmm. uh, original Wolfman. Um, it was it's a funny one f- for me. I'm actually a really very big fan of the the remake, the 2010 remake, but the the, the special edition version, not the theatrical version. But there's mm-hmm. the other. anyway, mm-hmm. um, the Wolfman, Lon Chaney's Wolfman, appears to be sort of a a bit of a sad sack. He was kind of a, a sort of a goofy kind of character, and then his Wolfman was a very gloomy obviously in the subsequent sequels that rolled on so i thought he was a bit of a sort of a, a sort of a dope and whatever and, and and very gloomy you know the idea of the wolfman was always quite sort of serious well not serious but sort of super exciting and and you know fierce but mm-hmm. um tragically sort of as it turned out start to learn a bit about lon cheney's life and, mm-hmm. and that's sort of getting stuck and uh you know it, it, it's something you can't get out of is it was actually sort of rings quite true but so we were talking about this sort of you know rather than these sort of terrifying fearsome werewolf characters that we do know mm-hmm. having to think about well how does it you know how do you get out of these things you know what can you do and so that's quite a a, a big part of the story that mike wrote about mr higgins it it, it, it runs around it's the story of a a werewolf and these two experts come in to help out and so he and he wrote that and there wasn't any communication between us he wrote the story and sent it and i just an outline and i thought it was brilliant mm-hmm. and that's that's sort of how it carried on he I, I, he'd send me more and more mm-hmm. um i you know i didn't want to change any of it mm-hmm. um there was one instance when he was starting to draw the cover so he emailed us to say you know what's what's mr higgins going to look like because he didn't have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just did a few drawings, which then he turned into the, the silhouette on the, on the, uh, the book cover. So, so, and then, so that was that part. So then there was also the logo, which I, I, I drew, I sort of sent him a few variations. So Mike wrote the story. He wrote all of that and I didn't interrupt that process. Mm-hmm. And I just drew the artwork. I drew the roughs. 
uh, which went to Mike and went to the editors, and they sort of stayed roughly unchanged as well. So we sort of <laughs> on that book we did we just did our our bit together, and that's kind of where. Um, you know, it feels like he's still along for the ride for the second two books because we kind of just, there was a shared interest, I think I mentioned, in, in this stuff. And it was, uh, you know, it was very easy for us both to draw from that sort of, that sort of uh, well. So um, Interesting. So that, that's how those came to be. This is actually those same characters in another appearance, but this is you largely, as it says in the book, you uh, wrote and drew and colored this book, right? Yep. Yep. Wow. This is, this is your baby. Basically the only thing that you didn't do. Well, of course, Mike Mignola and Dave Stewart did the cover, but the letters are done by Clem Robbins. It says, So that's good to do. I, I have to tell you something. I was really interested in this book. And one of the things that struck me right away was the art. And the art reminds me, and I don't know if you've ever seen here in the U.S. We have on the PBS uh, public broadcasting system, they have a show called Mystery. Right. And I don't know if you've seen that. There's like an opening title sequence that has people in sort of Victorian clothes and they're moving around. There's music in the background and there's like scream every once in a while or something like that, which has to do with it. Your art reminded me so much of that intro. Oh, wow. I was, I was, and I could hear the music in the background as I'm reading it. It was really something. Cause I was just like, wow, this is really, really, really something special because I, I have nothing has ever reminded me of that before, but this just sang to me about that. And I was just really, really impressed with, you know, the, your expressions by the action and the tone of everything has that kind of Victorian, uh, daring do kind of feel to it, which I really liked. Oh, thank you so much. That's great. And, and the, 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 the artwork, um, it's uh, for the for the mystery um, introduction is, is Edward Gorey, which is sort of like uh, so. That's a high compliment. <laughs> he's, he's you know he's right back there with with Charles Adams and the Adams Family cartoons and things like that. I mean, I can't, I don't know where they are in times wise. I think Edward Gorey sometime before then, but. Uh, well, I loved it. An exact sort of thing I was sort of aiming for. I well, you got it. Let me tell you, I, 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 every night as I, as I look at it right now, I still hear the music in oh. the background, stuff like that's just so great. And I just, I, I, I really did love it. I was just really kind of. Now I got to ask you. I always ask somebody who is a writer and an artist and 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 other things, which. Do you prefer? Do you prefer to to write? Do you prefer to draw, or are you? As a lot of people say, I'm a storyteller, so I don't see the difference between. Oh, I prefer to draw. I've always drawn, and mm-hmm. you know, if I've like it today, I've been drawing all day, and then mm-hmm. um, you know, I grab a break. And I did some more drawings. So, but it was a different sort. So the draw—I mean, it's drawings I've just always done. And whatever I ended up doing, I've had other jobs and various bits and mm-hmm. times. You know, I'd still be drawing mm-hmm. one or the other. And writing is—I—I uh, I like it a lot. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it requires a lot more work, just because 
I'm not as confident with it. And colouring, comic colouring, and the same again. Um, those, they, they, that just feels like a, a, a major operation for me because um, <laughs> because I just don't feel like I have the confidence as I do with the with the drawing. So oh, that's hard to, to. I can't believe that because this book really felt like it all worked together. Really well, which, which makes me want to ask you. I mean, as far as like doing this book, then did you draw pages ahead of time? Did you write a script and then draw from it? How did you put this book together? That was uh, that was a process that I learned really from um, working with Mike on the first book because I'd done a couple of other comic strip stories. I've got a few things I've made myself but just sort of self-published or whatever. But I've done a couple of other books. I did Helena Crash and Samurai Jack, Quantum Jack for IDW with a writer. Mm. And they were scripted more in the normal sense. Now, uh, Mike's scripts were sort of page to page, and it was sort of a bullet points. It wasn't saying panels and, and describing anything as such, mm. um, you know, and, and, and how the action was going to have to work. But there would be bullet points as to what was going to be happening and what sort of places there were. You know, he'd make, you know, in the castle, in the first bit, it down at the bottom where as they entered, the castle looks like a big castle with all bits and pieces. But as they went up toward certain chambers up, the castle would become sort of weirder and creepier and sort of more claustrophobic. And so he had these suggestions and these bullet points is how it was done. And then I would plan the pages and send them back and forth and get okayed. And then um, there was script with the, it, it, there was, it, in the script there was dialogue, mm-hmm. but he didn't, that wasn't finalized. It was, uh, so then as I drew the pages, he would then finalize the, um, the dialogue afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I learned because it meant that you could edit. If you felt that something wasn't clear when you're looking at the page, and the page was finished, you could make it more clear by changing the dialogue or adding some. But also, if you felt that the page, the artwork was telling the story well enough, you could actually take away some of the dialogue if you were, you know, careful about it. It was be able to sort of have controls on both levels at the same, you know, you could adjust the levels. And so as a creating it myself as a writer and the artist, I did have, you know, a hand on both levers. I could change, you know, working with the art and seeing how the script was turning out and then changing the art to fit or to change the script to fit, uh, which is a, it's risky because, you know, you run the risk of deciding you're only going to write about stuff you like drawing or you're just not going to draw anything you don't, you know, write about anything you don't like drawing, which is making your story a lot smaller. And mm-hmm. also the worry is you keep thinking, well, I'll change this and change that, and then your book never finishes because you're constantly <laughs> changing a bit, which is something I've had fallen into problems with in the past on other projects of my own. Mm-hmm. And so, I really, yes, uh, I'd be working these things out in my head, but mainly on paper, just in drawings, doing sketches and ideas and some sort of you know character bits or just scenes that, and, and what I wanted to put into it. And so I'd almost start drawing the comic, then going to write a script, then mm-hmm. going from the script to, to doing layouts for a comic page. So, mm-hmm. so it was sort of two together. But it, yeah, as I say, it was like I had mm-hmm. the hand of both levers, so I could sort of push ahead with the writing and or uh, push ahead with the art. Wow! Because as much as I love the art, I'm a story guy at my at my core, and I have to say the story was excellent. 
there were surprises that blew me out of my chair. Oh, fine. well, that's that's really really good to hear because I mean that's ultimately my you know I've got a story and you know you just I I can I'm I think I can get it to work on paper, but it, you don't know until you know people read it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's oh. fantastic. Oh, it's just wonderful. I have see the the way you structured it. I thought was ideal. You start out with all of them together, and they they handle the situation, and then another situation comes up where they're not all necessarily together at the beginning uh, of that part. But then, uh, let's just say when the group all gets together, there are surprises to be had. Yeah. And I, I would not in any way blow them right here or give them away because, wow, I was – I want them to get the same surprise that I got. Oh, cool. Oh, that's nice. Thank when you, I, sir. I, I just – well, let's just say one thing that happens is Falcon Spear comes across somebody who is a, a bad guy, shall we say. And he thinks a certain something's going on when he finds out that he's not necessarily correct on what he thinks is going on. Yeah, there's a that's that's a huge surprise. And yeah. Oh gosh, I was so shocked by that. But then the way that he responds to it was a massive shock to me. That was I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was literally going like, you know, wow. I I <laughs> I, I can't. I, I want so badly to spoil it, but I'm not going to because I want people to really enjoy it. It was really good. It has been difficult. It's been difficult to talk about to people without, because it's, um, you know, those are those sort of bits, some of the main, the main points and the main reasons um, I wanted to tell the story, but it, it's, it's quite a lean story. It's quite a, a tendency to, to, I think, write quite quickly to the point. And so that's why sometimes, well, that's why I like being able to, stretch things out with the artwork so you know. mm-hmm. and if you well, do get through it quite quickly you can go back and, and the book can be reread you know because no. of the piece that picked up. but um but yeah so just trying to talk about the book's been difficult but because, <laughs> you know there are a few points but they're quite few points well that's the thing with a mystery i mean if you pull a part out then the whole thing collapses and so i don't want to do that but uh the Ending really, the, the, there's a running thing that goes on that I really enjoyed with with Falcon Spear when when he's going to fight, he puts his hand down and out comes this knife, yep. which was really something. And, and we see that several times in the book. And when it happens the last time, it means something very different. So I was, I really loved that. I just I thought that was just amazing to me that uh, sure. that whole thing just just. It, it sang to me, and like I said, the art drew me in. And I, I, I got this Victorian feel with it, and I've got to talk about the bad guy a little bit. Yeah, because he was not what I expected at all. No, he was. I, I expect bad guys to be sort of mustache twirling, you know, uh, top hat kind of people and stuff like that. Yeah. He's blonde and he's he's somewhat obese comparatively yeah. compared to the others. And I I was not I did not expect that. I, I, that shocked me. He's he's not so much. Um, I guess he's not so much a villain as just a terrible, terrible sort of thing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's just awful. Rather mm-hmm. than being, you know, I'm into a fairly lofty comparison thinking about it. But the first thing that came to my mind is actually Dracula himself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily clear if he's got some master plan underway or if he's just trying to, you know, stay. Do mm-hmm. stay alive does what he wants you know mm-hmm. he's trying to just carry on and it's not really clear if he's got some sort of you know like you say sort of mustache twirling James Bond mm-hmm. villain plan mm-hmm. or he just wants to carry on doing whatever the heck he wants mm-hmm. and um, you know which is pretty atrocious things and I suppose in that way he's a similar guy mm-hmm. you know it's not clear if he's got any sort of plans mm-hmm. of any or whether he just wants to carry on being terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> the thing that interested me is in many characters in comics are very slender and uh, attractive. And, you know, they're often like young teenagers and stuff like that. Very handsome looking. Yeah. And I, I would not use those words to describe this guy. <laughs> no, no. Um, but like, I quite like, I quite like a variety. I mean, as an artist, just drawing, you know, drawing people, um, it's just amazing what sort of character people have or what they show or how they show it and how people are so many different shapes and sizes and, you know, people, how they appear. It can be very much like how they are. People always talk about, you know, dogs and their owners having similarities. And, and it's, you know, people give a lot away. And so drawing people, you know, um, just, um, it just is, is a bigger and richer canvas, just sort of really looking at actually sort of normal people rather than, um, I don't know, it doesn't sound too geeky or mean, but, you know, if, if everyone on telly is all gorgeous, mm-hmm. you know, and even the, the sort of the ugly people are sort of actually still gorgeous, but they've been given some glasses or some funny teeth or something, you know. <laughs> so, and that's that's weird. Whereas, mm-hmm. actually, in real life, people are all sorts of shapes and sizes, and mm-hmm. and gorgeous people can be all shapes and sizes because it's to do because you it's it's part of their personality. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is sort of not so connected, but as I say, these are all coming from. Um, you know, old movies and particularly old British hammer horror films where people mm-hmm. were all sorts of shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and a lot of those, as I was watching them as a nipper, these were all sort of old fellas, you mm-hmm. know, uh, old old characters. They were all sort of, uh, you know, and they did become old men because, of course, they started off in the very end of the 50s and the 60s, but by the 70s they were still running around trying to do the stuff they were doing it to 10, 15 years earlier. But mm-hmm. So they did get old. Mm-hmm. So, no, but I just like, I like that variety. See, the, the thing is, is I, I come to this as, as an American. And of course, I, I always use the example of the Being Human show. Mm. In, in the UK, the Being Human characters were largely, I wouldn't say they were unattractive, but they were kind of average looking. Yeah everyday kind of people and stuff like that. When it came to America, all of a sudden these people were, looked like young models. Yeah. All the, the characters were very good looking, you know, and, and heartthrobs and stuff like that. And 
so I always, I guess I still look at things with an American perspective that when I see somebody who isn't, isn't what I expect in the comic book, I'm always kind of like, Oh, that, that's, that's gotta be a bad person or it's a really, really terrible thing. And as terrible as he was, it, <laughs> there was a surprise that was still to be had from him the way you had written it. So I was, when, when we find out that surprise, I was shocked. That was, that was one of the great surprises in the book to me. Oh, cool. Was I did not, you know, it, it's not like he could, he reminded me in some ways, I don't know if you've ever read in Batman, the penguin. Yeah. yeah. The penguin is, is not somebody who can put up a physical fight with Batman. He's kind of got to outwit them because of the way that he physically is. And that some of that is involved with this character. Yeah. So I was, I, I found that interesting that, that, that kind of thing, put, but the really interesting part about the character was the transition from when he thinks he's helpless to when he thinks he's not so helpless. Yeah. Ooh, that was, that was chilling. I have to say I was, Ooh, I, I, wow. I see that, that was great writing to me. I, and also the artwork really was, you know, sparkled because again, there was that, again, that pivot, that twist that just surprised the heck out of me. And I loved it because initially I was surprised when we first see him and what's going on with him. But then when that happens, I was just, I was shocked. And so, uh, I, that, that was really well written. I thought that was beautiful bit of making of, of taking us down the prim, primrose path and then twisting us 90 degrees in another direction i i really love that and you know it's interesting because we don't we tend to have this bias that today everybody is so smart and everybody is so you know they, they brilliant and stuff like that and we think people in the past not so smart as we are but this shows that in that era these people were pretty crafty, some of these. And I thought that was nicely written. I thought that was, <laughs> yeah. that, that threw my whole thing right out the window. That was great. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's great to hear. It was so effective because, yeah, I know. I like that idea. And so I was, I was keen to, to make it work. Now, the, the, the bad news is this is probably the last of the Falcon Sphere books. Well, d d yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. Uh, it, um, just because of the way these things be, you know, as I say, you know, the way these things go. I mean, the, there is the, I mean, the fact that it's it starts off back before the other two, you know, mm -hmm. the other books, so we could spend a bit more time in their youth, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but, well, yeah, though it's it, it, it's also it's the nature of these stories, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but you could still bring back the other characters and have other stories with them. Yeah. Are you planning to do that? I am always hoping. I mean, every time it, we were talking a bit about, you know, what Falcon's being name came from, and I can't pinpoint it particularly, but drawing in these books, writing these books as well, you mm -hmm. know, every, every page while drawing Mr. Higgins, there were other ideas coming from it, whether these, what the characters were doing or things that I was drawing and, you know, there's so they're, they're, these are so full of ideas, these guys, and because it's quite a familiar sort of, uh, as I say, you know, that, that's sort of where we're getting these all sort of stories from. What's inspiring us is quite familiar. It's it's, it's very easy to to, to sort of uh, to bring sort of, sort of mold and develop new new stories. Each of these books are finished, 
without another one expected or on the horizon. So we should just wait and see. Mm-hmm. But, um, but there's, I feel like there's lots more to tell, to talk about or to tell with these guys. Well, I'd like that. I, I, I enjoy different settings and different kinds of people and stuff like that. So for me, I hope this really goes over and we get to see a lot more of them because although I, I, my only worry is that people tend to want things in today. Yeah. In comics. And so the fact that this is an older uh, time period, I, I, I hope it'll go over real well. I, I hope it, you know, because people like me who are going like, oh, I, I'm, I'm interested in the story. I don't care if it's 1400s or the future or whatever it is. As long as it's a good story, I'm in it. And yeah. I worry that, that because it's set in a previous time period, certain people, certain fans will probably go, oh, that's an old story. <laughs> well, I this hope is, not. It's, it, 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 this is why, well, it, 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 it's uh, DC, uh, the Excuse me. The Dark Horse is an ideal uh, pl- place for these books because, um, with with uh, Mike's Minolaverse and the Outerverse, uh, um, those projects there are a lot of them are set out of our time, and they are able to bring them into to to, to modern times and and beyond to a certain extent. But um, so I think there's a lot of sort of uh, a sympathetic audience, as it were, a lot of people who are quite like some of this sort of stuff. Who uh, who buy the Dark Horse books, which is why it's uh, sort of ideally suited there. That's great. Does Dark Horse release them in the UK as well? Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, Focus Beer is out here now, um, and the others are here. Um, and Encounters with Evil and Mister Higgins are also uh, in published in Russia and uh, Spain, Italy. Poland, uh, France. Um, there's a few, yeah. That's it, out and about. Good. Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad that you find. I mean, did, is that? Uh, I, I think Mike tends to go with Dark Horse too. Is that how you how you got connections with them? Was go through Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, that's it, Mike. Um, he had the idea for the story and and, and uh, presented it to Dark Horse. With with wow. me as an, an artist at, at the beginning, yeah, that was that was cool. Mr. Higgins, and and so yeah, so so when I I, I kind of got keen to to, to do some more, mm-hmm. so I approached as Mike and and Dark Horse at the time. So okay. good, well, that's great because I I'd love to see more. I'm going to be honest with you, I I love a good story that surprises me, and this book surprised me. I I, I lost count of how many times I got surprised. Oh, cool. Well, that's, yeah, I, re- I do appreciate that. But. And I also, like I said, the art move was really special to me. And I still, when I look at it, even now as I glance through it, I still hear the music yeah. in the background of it, which is just great. And, and the surprises, just as I, as I look at it, oh, I want so badly to spoil it, but I'm not going to because <laughs> I, I, I want people to really enjoy this book. Do you remember what the release date is here in the States? I think it is. Um, I think it's all out. I think it's out now. Fifth, twenty fifth. It was it, the the obviously the delays the, the with the with, with lockdown and the bits and pieces and that all there were delays to it and then there was issues with Diamond unfortunately and it actually led to it being 
accidentally released before Christmas here, very yeah. briefly. It turned up in, in bookstores, so then they put took it off the shelves again. Yeah. So it's been it's been all over. So it did appear for about an afternoon or for a day in the UK uh, for uh, before Christmas, but then. No, um, yeah. So it should be in all bookshops, comic books, comic shops. Should be available online now as well. Oh, good. Oh, great. Very good. Very good. Cause I, I encourage you if you haven't read this book or haven't come across it. It's called Falcon Spear. It comes out from um, Dark Horse, and it has Mike Mignola's name on it. Although he, uh, the only thing I think he really did, as far as I can tell, is do the did the the cover. Although I'm sure he was involved in the development of the characters and stuff like that too. And it never hurts to have his name on a book. I think so. That's a good well, thing. not at all. But actually, but as I say, I said it earlier. I, I think that his his influence on the work I've done, you know, and the work of I, you know, over over the years, you know, sort of following his his work, I'm quite happy to have that. His 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 uh, his name there because uh, mm-hmm. it feels like quite a part of of what I do. Great. Well, I got to ask: Are there other books you're working on that we should be aware of? There are a there are a few, a couple. Um, there's uh, Kolchak Night Stalker fiftieth anniversary Kickstarter, um, which is out running at the moment, running right now, mm-hmm. um, and that's. Uh, well, that's that, that's a Kickstarter running. There is another. Um, it is out this year. It'll be announced this year. Uh, six issues with a new, um, brand new uh, publishing partnership who have yet to announce themselves. And so I'm a bit stuck as to what to say about that. But, uh, <laughs> the book, I'm, the, the series I'm working on is uh, an adventure series. Mm. Uh, no vampires as of yet, but uh, <laughs> lots of sort of lots of action and some sort of crazy characters too. Okay, that leads into the next question. If we want to keep track of what you're up to, uh, are you on social media? Are there ways that we can follow you? Uh, yes, yep, yep. I am uh, at uh, Warwick JC on Twitter, um, but at Wocco W O C C O on Instagram is the liveliest that's where i get most of uh that's where most of my sort of uh social uh networking happens on a regular basis because of its ease um so that's the first port of call um but uh, i'm on a, i've got a facebook art of warwick johnson cadwell facebook page as well so. okay very good well, we need to keep track of, of what you're up to if we're going to enjoy these kind of good stories some more. Because yeah. I really did love it. I thought it was a really great thing. When I got to the end of it, I was <laughs> – my head was spinning around because of all the, the sh- surprises and shocks yeah. along the way. Many things. It's just a great book. And, again, it's Falcon Spear, and it comes out from Dark Horse. And, of course, it's Warwick Johnson hyphen Cadwell. And you want to make sure you get that. And I would look for Warwick's name on anything because this one really sold me on your your creativity and your ability to tell stories. So I'm going to be looking for other stuff that you're doing so I can keep up with them, too. So it's just wonderful stuff. Cool. Well, thank you so much. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man... From flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. 
that's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.